football show. Well, rest assured, don't don't you dare change that dial. Slowly ease those fingers away from your radio dial. Lean back and hang with me for a minute. Because here's my debate. Every week and every morning going into this show, I think, what what should I say to these listeners at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning? A lot of you waking up. I got my coffee in front of me. I had uh, some sort of scone I picked up in the drive-thru, about uh, 600 calories. Real healthy way to start the morning. I was hungry, though. I think, what should I say to the listeners? They want to hear all about a huge fourth quarter, so I was toying with the spelling bee. And you've all seen those spelling bees on ESPN. And our word is juggernaut. Juggernaut. Define juggernaut. A huge, powerful, and overwhelming force or institution. What's its country of origin? Fargo, North Dakota. More particularly, North Dakota State. Can you use it in a sentence? The Bison offense is a juggernaut. Juggernaut. S-T-I-C-K. Juggernaut. Easton Stick. Six touchdowns on the road at the Unidome against the Northern Iowa Panthers as the Bison offensive juggernaut exploded for 28 points, man. That's an awfully impressive performance. That's the uh, first time anyone's hung 50 on the Panthers since 1983 or thereabouts, and I thought, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good topic to start with. Or what about who's number two? Who's number two in the FCS after down goes James Madison taken to the carpet by up-and-comer Elon at Bridgeforth Stadium in Harrisonburg last Saturday? That's a an awfully big story, and a lot of you are smiling, yeah. Those guys lost, that's right. Well, who's number two then? Did JMU stay at two? Celtic, ugh, ugh. I hate doing this to you guys so early in the morning. South Dakota State vaulted over several teams. Well, actually, one team against JMU in the stats FCS poll. They didn't fall too far after they lost up here a few weeks ago to the Bison. Easton Stick, juggernaut, outdueled Terran Christian. What about Kennesaw State or Eastern Washington or Elon or Wofford? Who's number two in the FCS? We're going to have Nolan P. Schmidt, editor and Chief of Bison Illustrated and Chase Miller later in the program this morning. And we'll we'll talk about who ought to be number two, the Jack <laughs> Rabbits. Well, they gave NDSU a run. Does that make sense? Or how how about uh how about this? Here here's what I think you want to hear about. How to watch a bison game during your twin brother's wedding. Uh-oh! Justin Swanson. Twin brother of your host right here got married last Saturday. Wonderful wedding. Congratulations to the happy couple, the newlyweds, Justin and Mandy. Mandy Brodeur, Mandy Swanson now. Well, here's the conundrum we had at Justin and Mandy's wedding out at the Purim 
Lakeside Event Center last Saturday. Justin Swanson, of all people, many of you know him because you know me, longtime, longtime guy who ran the music and all the game day production at the Fargo Dome before this year. Justin was with athletics for all oh, five or six years since uh, 2012 through 2017. Transitioned over to the College of Agriculture, the NDSU Alumni Foundation. So he gets married on a bison game day, and he ought to know better, man, right? That's what you're saying. Swatty, Swatty, how how could your brother do that? How does Justin Swanson get married on a bison game day weekend? And I hear Justin saying, you, Jack Blank, you got married on a bison game day weekend, Josh. I did. But the Bison were playing Indiana State. So we knew that'd be a 56-3 snoozer, and I didn't have to put the family, the family, Justin. Think of the children and the kids, man. Think of the kids crying because they're sitting at a wedding. They can't watch the Bison. We had to figure out a way to watch the Bison game last weekend during a wedding. And we pulled it off, man. We, You know we pulled it off. You, you got to have faith in your friend Swan here, your old buddy, your old pal, and the rest of his motley crew of characters that we would find a way, that we would persevere and see the Bison beat the Panthers. So I want to tell you that story. The game's at 4 o'clock. Or the game's at 1 o'clock, excuse me. Wedding is at 4. So the math isn't looking too favorable. The odds! are stacked against us early. Because if you do the math, if kickoff's at 1, what's going to be happening about 4 o'clock, friends? Yep, we're getting down to crunch time. Well, just like the Bison elevated their performance, you know the Bison Nation at Brother Swan's wedding would elevate our game. So it goes like this. Pitchers start, bride and groom take pitchers. If you have ever been married, you know what I'm talking about. You take pictures for about 18 hours. You get up. It's kind of like the Super Bowl pregame coverage. You're up at about 2 in the morning getting ready. You got to have the breakfast pictures, the first view pictures, putting on the sock pictures, scratching your backside pictures, looking for your shoe shine pictures, walking out of the hotel pictures. So those start at about 2 a.m., and then they roll until about 10 a.m. Or, or noon. So the couple gets to the <laughs> Lakeside Event Center about noon. They tell the bridal party, the groomsmen, the family, be there about 1230. All the bison games at one. And whoa, what's this? There's a pub in the lobby of the Lakeside Event Center in Perm. The hallelujah, hallelujah chorus. We could see the clouds parting and the sun shining upon us and our luck was beginning to change. So we bellied up the entire groom side of the party. Some of our spouses, Grandpa Jim, good old Grandpa Jim, the number one top dog, alpha male Swanee was in there with us, Pa Swanee. Extraordinaire was in there with us. So we're watching the game. NDSU gets down 14 to 0. Hey, we'll bounce back. We'll be fine. We NDSU scores, scores the first touchdown. Gets on the board. Pitcher time. No. 
Pitcher time. Kidding me. You're killing me, Smalls. Pitcher time for the groomsmen. So we have to go out, take pictures. An old Patrick Thiel, that saint of Bison fans, St. Patrick. You know you know Pat. Good guy. Former drum major for the Gold Star Marching Band. Pat has his tablet out there. And he nonchalantly, rather, sets it up at a place where we're taking pictures where we can keep an eyeball on the game. So we go out and take pictures. We get back within seconds, seemingly seconds, and the Bison have the ball knocking on the door going in. We're looking around, high five. What What happened? What happened? Grandpa Jim, Grandpa Jim, what happened? We got an interception. Who got it, Grandpa? I don't know. Then we had a big run. A couple plays later, buys a touchdown, 14-14. We adjourn back to the lobby bar. We start watching the game again. Halftime comes, rolls along. Third quarter's chugging along. North Dakota State takes the lead. Well, I should reference, you all know you and I took a lead with a field goal before the half. It's neither here nor there. That field goal was erased by a flood of 28 fourth quarter points. Bison score a touchdown. Easton stick to Darius Shepard. One of the emerging themes in the Missouri Valley Football Conference and an All-American candidate himself, Darius Shepard. What a job that young man is doing. A couple touchdowns last week, went over 100 yards. Mr. Dependable. Coach Messingham, offensive coordinator Randy Hedberg, moving e- or excuse me, moving Shepard all over the field. Well, you and I comes back and takes the lead. Pitcher time. What? What? This is what happens when you schedule a wedding at four o'clock on a buys a game day. All right, it's the bride's day. It's all about the bride. We all know that. We respect that. She says go jump in a lake. Which, if she's listening now, she's probably thinking go jump in a lake, Josh. Picture time. So we go take more pictures. We run. We sprint in our suits. It's game day. You got to elevate your performance, baby. We run in our suits to the lobby. And we see Bruce Anderson catching a pass from Easton. Sticks. Stick drops back. Eludes the rush. Steps up in the pocket. Bruce Anderson downfield. He finds Anderson. He's going to go. 40, 30, 25, 10, 5. Touchdown. Good guys. Bison take the lead, get a stop. And here's my favorite sequence of the game. The Bison go up 34 to 28. Is that right? No, 31 to 28. Excuse me. They go up 31 to 28 on Bruce Anderson's touchdown. Get a stop, drive down the field. Easton Stick, who I feel should be the top candidate for the Walter Payton Award, goes to the top offensive player in the FCS. We'll talk to Nolan and Chase later about the numbers. Six touchdowns, juggernaut, juggernaut, S-T-I-C-K, six touchdowns, four passing, two rushing against the Panthers. The one that put the game away, that one-yard touchdown run, kind of goes a little off tackle, spins around, rolls around, B-button, B-button, finds himself in the end zone. And number nine, here it is. Go back and watch this. Go back and watch this today. Fourth quarter, a few minutes in. Bison go up. Against you and I by 11. At that point, it's 35 to 24. That's not even right either. It doesn't matter. Bison go up by 11. 42-31. Number nine for you and I, Xavier Williams, after Easton gets in the end zone, gets in his face, starts John. I'm a tough guy. 
I'm tough man. Tough. Xavier Williams. Easton Stick says, get out of my face, man. Get out of my face. We're owning you, you and I defense. That moxie, that swagger, I love it. I love it, man. Easton got in that guy's mug, had no time for it. Put the team on his shoulders with the Rams. Offensive line, Luke Bacon, the Volson boys. They got it done in the fourth quarter, but I'd love that moment. I'd love that moment. Well, here's what happens next. Segue back to the wedding story of the century. By this time, Brother Swan is sitting with us, getting ready. All the girls in the bridal party are lined up somewhere. Justin says, two-minute warning, man. Two-minute warning. We're thinking there's ah, eight minutes left in the game. What are we going to do? We got to line up. This game ain't over. There's a lot of time left. You're playing at the Uni Dome. Crazier things have happened. We feel a lot better with the two-score lead. We go and get in line. Uh-oh. Oh. Rest assured, there's a – we will not name names. Let's call this guy Frank sitting in the crowd. He's got the Bison game on a phone mobile device, and it's tucked in close to his person. His shoulders are – just hunch your shoulders forward a little bit, kind of bring in your gut. He's got the phone tucked down in there. So we've nonchalantly, slyly, coyly, secretively – and I'm balling up front. I'm a soft-hearted guy. My brother's getting married. Everyone says, oh, that was sweet, Josh. You're such a great brother. Shedding some tears for Justin's wedding. That's so sweet. Well, the bison were beating you and I, and that's, that's pretty darn emotional, too. <laughs> pretty darn emotional, too. So we're stealing glances at Frank and the crowd because he's got the game on a phone. Frank's the real MVP. Frank had it on the phone. You could see a few people kind of peering around the shoulder, checking out the phone, and you see some thumbs up. Grandma, Grandma Swanson, Grandma Broder, all the rest of the family, taking the first view of the newlywed couple, all that love, all that happiness, and they see Justin's friends just thumbs up. Thumbs up, baby. Thumbs up from the crowd. All these Bison fans, thumbs up. Well, there might have been two meanings to that. Two meanings to that. Uh, that thumbs up there, one for old brother Swanee raised the glass high and another one saying, what a performance by North Dakota State in that fourth quarter. And we found a way to pay attention to see the Bison victory through to the finish line because that is what Bison Nation does. There is something wrong with us, but I mean that in the most beautiful and wonderful and fantastic way. Folks, we've got an absolutely exciting High-octane show for you this morning. We're going to visit with Bruce Anderson, senior All-American running back for the Bison. We got Nolan P. Schmidt and Chase Miller for our FCS roundtable. So stick around. More Heard It Here with Swanee coming up right after this. Hey, why aren't you moving? I'm having lunch. Well, what's for lunch? The Jack Michaels Show, of course. Fill your plate. Weekdays at noon on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. Walton's Tire Service knows that the right combination of dedication and talent is what makes any... One with NDSU's Playmakers, the guys who make it happen for the Bison and continue the program's tradition and excellence. These guys are the strength of the herd. 
Bruce Anderson, North Dakota State running back on 740 AM. The fan 107.3. Bruce, big win against North Northern Iowa this past weekend. Walk us through, especially that that second half. The Bison rushing attack offense really took over. Uh, we just kind of preach, you know, don't don't flinch, don't be nervous. Uh, we were down 14-0 in the first half, uh, so we just kind of didn't let that deteriorate us. We we ran our game plan. We still attacked the process, and I just think that helped a lot. You know, guys didn't panic. Nobody was. Uh, you know, overwhelmed, we just kind of stayed within within our game plan and we were able to execute. One of those plays in that game plan, that big 75-yard touchdown catch you had from Easton, first offensive play of the fourth quarter. I know Coach said you guys have been kind of holding on to that one in the hip pocket for a few years. Walk us through that play and uh, how it developed. It's just a play that you got to play fast. You know, it's just uh, you got to, you know, just beat the defense with speed and, you know, catch them on uh, this this manipulate their eyes, you know, have them off, you know, just by step. And I was able to do that. Easton put it a perfect pass where I was able to get it and just run with it. So it looked like the Rams, especially as that game wore on, even in the first quarter, you could see a push for that second, third quarter, and especially into the fourth, it looked like the Rams were really moving the front seven for the Panthers. Oh, yeah, it's uh, I'll test that to our pride and condition. You know, uh, during the whole game, you know, the Rams didn't miss a beat. They weren't, you know, taking the playoff. They weren't tired or anything. You could just see in their eyes, you know, they live for that fourth quarter grind when everybody's tired and we still got some more energy to go. So credit to them. How fun is that for you guys to go on a road environment, especially against a rival like you and I, and just hand it to them in the fourth quarter like that where you dominate both sides of the football offense and defense to come away with a win like that? Uh, I like it. You know, it's, it's a gritty feeling, you know, going on the road your back's against the wall you know you got to kind of you're going to somebody's environment so there is is this kind of you and who you came with you know uh and Bison Nation always travels well so it's just kind of a gritty environment backs against the walls you just gotta execute offensively to put up 56 points against any team but especially northern Iowa I think that was the first time since the early 1980s anybody hung 50 on them as an offense you guys were really clicking on all cylinders have to feel good about that oh yeah we just had a great game plan and we executed early in uh the week you know we started with the Monday we attacked the process guys weren't uh messing around we weren't you know being lackadaisical we just attacked the game plan and we just knew it was a business trip we just knew what we had to do Bruce Anderson here on 740 AM the fan heard it here with Swanee Bruce Another weekend, another big game. McComb is a, a tough place to play. What do you guys know about the Leathernecks? We know a lot about them. You know, we've been playing with them, uh, playing against them for a while now. You know, not not as long as Northern Iowa, but we we have a, a great feeling for each other. So we just watch film, you know, see what we can draw up against each other, and then we just go after it. When you're playing in an environment like that, it's a, a, a quiet place, not loud like the Fargo Dome, or even not a place like you and I. How important is it for you guys? How do you create your own energy and momentum when you're playing in front of a place where there, there's not many fans like that? Uh, like I said, you know, we just travel well with each other. You know, we, we know what we're going into. We know our environment, and we just rely on each other. You know, we're the we're playing the game, so we don't rely on having a big crowd, you know, in their environment. So we just kind of, we feed off each other. I think fans and the media make of a, a bigger deal out of this than it is, but I'm required to ask it because people are talking about it. Oh, but yeah. six o'clock kickoff, does that affect anything that you guys do usually playing in the afternoon and now having to play at night? I don't think so. In my eyes, it gives us more time to, you know, just prepare. So I don't think it's a bad thing or it's going to affect us in any way. 
with uh, the running game, especially the last few weeks, between you and Lance and, and even Easton getting involved, it looks like you guys are really starting to, to hit, all, hit on all cylinders. What's going to be the key this weekend for the rushing attack to, to keep doing that? Uh, just staying disciplined, you know, don't try to create plays out of uh, nothing, you know, just keep within our, our game plans and our abilities. So just uh, attacking like we have with the Rams and just when uh, Eason, Lance, or I, we, we get the ball, we got to make somebody miss and go and make them pay for it. Uh, big games this last week in the FCS. I know you guys don't do any scoreboard watching during the game, but James Madison goes down to Elon, Montana <clears throat> loses, but the Bison just keep on finding ways to win. Are you guys aware of the FCS, what's going on outside of the Valley, or is that something you guys really don't pay attention to? Uh, we, we pay attention to ourselves, you know. Uh, Coach also preaches, though, about anybody can beat anybody. You're going to get each team's best each week, so you just kind of, you know, stay locked into that opponent that week. You don't want to look over somebody. You don't want to look down the road. You just want to stay within the means. Bruce, best of luck to you this weekend and the rest of the season. Thank you so much. Bruce. Best running back in the FCS. 170 yards rushing against the Panthers last weekend. Added that back-breaking 75-yard hallelujah touchdown reception from Easton Stick. That was a thing of beauty. The Bison rolled up 523 total yards against the Panthers. Zero turnovers. First time all season the Bison went turnover-free. They had 295 yards in the second half. Lance Dunn tagged in for a Another 104 rushing yards. The Bison rushing attack. The Rams, the big offensive line, the big uglies getting it done. 344 rushing yards for the Bison. And you heard Bruce. Here's why I'm not worried about this weekend going to McComb, playing at night. Not a lot of McComb leatherneck fans in that crowd. It was a business trip. That's what Bruce said, folks. It was a business trip. You got guys, these these guys, what impresses me so much, interviewing whether it's Bruce Anderson, whether it's Robbie Grimsley, Darius Shepard, Luke Bacon. We've had all those guys on Heard It Here with Swanee. Nick Gazer, Matt Entz, two coaches for the Bison. They are all business. They, they have a good time. You could hear it in Bruce's voice. You know what's a good time in front for them? Winning. Doing what they did against Northern Iowa. Just dominating. Juggernaut juggernaut in the second half those guys know this is a business trip and they've done it before they are so locked in and so focused I wish I wish I could explain that to you guys the way I see it when I go to the Fargo Domes Fargo Domes like we have two Fargo Domes when I go to the Fargo Dome and interview these guys throughout the week and for heard it here with Swanee the focus that they have how dialed in they are how prepared they are. And we talked about it. We're going to have Nolan P. Schmidt coming up after the break here in a few minutes. We talked about it on our podcast, which you can find on bisonillustrated.com. Listen for free on iTunes or SoundCloud to the Bison Illustrated podcast. But these guys get that from their head coach. These guys get that from Chris Kleiman. They're, They're confident, but not cocky. They're prepared. They know what they have to do to win. And most impressively, they execute. Now, there, it's a fair question. Should Bison fans be concerned that the team has had two slow starts against South Dakota State and against North Northern Iowa the last two weeks? The Bison got down early 7-0, could have been 10 or 14-0 to the Jacks. They got down 14-0 to the Panthers. There was no panic. 
If you've got a young, inexperienced team or a team that's shaky, that thing can get out of hand quick, and you can find yourself in a real bad situation. The Bison did not panic. They went out there, they executed, they got stops, and they beat two really good football teams. Now, I, I hear you, Swan, you, you homer, you maleficent homer. We can't keep getting behind the eight ball, and I agree. That's one of the things this week we heard from Coach Kleiman at his press conference. We heard it from players that the Bison need a faster start. And that's one of the things when you have a team full of juniors and seniors and strong leaders. I'll tell you what, friends, 6 o'clock tonight in Macomb, I think the Bison get out of the gates like an angry bull. And we'll talk to Nolan P. Schmidt, editor-in-chief of Bison Illustrated, about that right after this. Can I get a- Power Trip Morning Show. Weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. on The Fan. I think we can clearly say this is the shindig. Nolan ah! Schmidt brings his new school approach to Bison Illustrated as its editor-in-chief and joins Swanee to go over the big headlines for this week's matchup. Boy, do we got some headlines. Some, some Walter Cronkite, Jurgi, some Paul Jurgensen. Headlines, some Wolf Blitzer breaking news banner headlines. Friends, I want to thank you for starting your morning with your old pal, your good buddy, Swanee, on Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan, and 107.3 FM. The show will be uploaded to our website, 740thefan.com. The Heard It Here with Swanee Show page, big thanks to Peterman Farm Seeds, Seabird Power Sports, Essentia Health, Yankee Insurance, and Altendorf Trucking for making this show possible. A big thanks to Josh Linus running the boards and flying the ship today to make sure you get this audio gold so you can sound smarter than your friends when you're having that lunchtime beverage because it's Saturday and why not? College football is gl- – I love I love college football, Nolan. It's It's glorious, and here's – Here's my first, my first, can't even pronounce my words. I'm so amped up. First big headline, weather tonight. It's going to be big boy football weather. They, there ain't nothing sexy, ain't nothing flashy. About 48 degrees kickoff temperature in Macomb, 35% chance of rain and some wind. It's going to be some nasty, good old run the ball Get dirty football weather tonight in Illinois. I mean, and that almost is to the detriment of the home team in a way. I mean, if you look at the how Western Illinois runs their offense, but I mean, let's let's be real here, Swanee. I don't think there's ever been anything sexy about Macomb, Illinois, to begin with. So I, I don't th- I don't know if it really makes it even worse that it's raining this evening. But you know, whether we it's a it's a big storyline coming in, and and we were talking about it, you know, earlier in the week if there was going to be some rain, and you know, Monday I think it was like 82 degrees or something like that in Macomb, Illinois, and we were sitting here getting some snow. So, I mean, it, it's always a it's always a factor, but I mean, it's it's. NDSU's first outdoor game. I don't know if it'll have a whole lot to do with the result. Do you? You know who loves this kind of weather? The big guys, the fat guys up front. <laughs> the Rams. Zach Johnson loves the Zach rain. Zach Johnson loves the rain. Luke Bacon from McHenry County, North Dakota. He's not. You know, he's not afraid to get dirty. He went home. Tanner Volson was born in the rain. I'm pretty sure. Born I'm pretty sure rain. Tanner Volson was born in the rain. Maybe Cordell Volson too. All, all those born during a driving snowstorm in the 
hounds of the Baskerville <laughs> weather in Bell Four, North Dakota. With that running attack, you know guys like Bruce Anderson, Lance Dunn, and, and you're right. The, uh, Sean McGuire is Western Illinois' quarterback. He's a guy that loves to sling the ball around. I think the Leathernecks are averaging 300 yards plus passing per game. They like to throw the ball. And bad weather, what can't you do if the football is all slippery and the winds are blowing and the ground's all dirtied up? It's tougher to throw the football. And who excels in that weather? Teams with big fronts. Teams with the running game, advantage bison. And I think sometimes it might be a misconception to say, okay, the weather's bad, so you can't throw the football. I think that's kind of a common misconception. But, I mean, when you look at kind of the grand scheme of this game, Sean McGuire's a really good quarterback. I've been saying it all week, Swanee. The two games that he's played, you can definitively say he's played poorly in the Missouri Valley Football Conference are his two games against North Dakota State. To, to say that that trend will continue today, especially with the bad weather, I mean, I'm on board with saying he might have a tough go of it. And on top of that, Western Illinois only runs the ball for like 94 yards a game. That's not a lot. And they have good running backs. They have some Steve, playmakers. Steve McShane's a heck of a running back, and he's their leading receiving touchdown leader. He has four receiving touchdowns, more than any of their wide receivers. So, I mean, I'm interested to see what Western Illinois' game plan is going to be with this weather as a factor. Are they going to continue to sling the ball around? I'm inclined to believe that they might, and that you know might play right into what NDSU wants. McGuire's got 13 passing touchdowns. He's slinging it for about 270 yards per game. And one of the numbers we talked about talked about this in our podcast. Listeners can find it at BisonIllustrated.com. They can listen for free on SoundCloud and iTunes. One of the top ranked podcasts in the entire great state number one. of North it's Dakota. Just number, number one. one We're baby. just gonna say it's number one. Number one. Come get it you want it, come get it. Western Illinois is ranked 108th in the country in rushing offense. If you want to beat the Bison, if you want to beat anybody, you're going to need to run the ball and run the ball consistently. Now, Western Illinois has an impressive home win last month against Montana. But last week, they really took it in the shorts against Illinois State. But that game was a lot closer than the final score. Illinois State had a defensive touchdown late and then kind of opened it up. with, But with about four or five minutes left, it was a three-point game, and one of the things Coach Kleiman referenced to all of us at the press conference, his weekly press conference, was he loves watching Western Illinois quarterback Sean McGuire on film, but he doesn't like it so much watching him in person because he's a smart quarterback, he's a senior, he knows how to get his team into the right plays. But traditionally, Code Green, go back to last year, North Dakota State got down against Western Illinois at the Fargo Dome at half, 12-10. to 10. Easton Stick had a couple rushing touchdowns. The second half had that big touchdown pass in the first half to R.J. Erzendowski. North Dakota State won 24-12, but Western Illinois' offense, I think they had a defensive touchdown that game. They might have hit Easton while he was throwing it and housed that, but the Leathernecks had a tough time in the climate-controlled confines of the Fargo Dome, and you got to think the way this Bison defense, they're going to want to get off to a fast start, right? After South Dakota State put up an early touchdown, drove down, was looking like they were going to put up a second score before Jalen Allison's interception last week at the Uni Dome. The Panthers rolled up. I think what happened, and we talked about this, NDSU has a breakdown in communications. The Panthers hit that pass to the tight end that goes for 60-some yards to open the scoring. NDSU is kind of dazed or stunned by that punch. It takes takes the Bison a few drives to get their bearings. They do. Bison go on to hold the Panthers to seven points in the second half, but you know we heard it. We heard it from Code Green this week. 
they were not happy with that performance. They don't want to hear things like, well, the Bison were able to win in a shootout, and the Bison, they don't, NDSU's defense is not in the business of giving up 31 points per game, and they're going to want to set the record straight tonight. I think anybody who, you know, is playing on that Bison defense, Matt Entz, Chris Kleiman, I think everybody will readily admit that that was perhaps it will be their worst game that they've played defensively all year. And obviously there's still a lot of season left, but I mean, that was, you know, a very surprising performance from a defensive perspective to give over 400 yards of total offense to you and I, who we said coming into the week that we didn't know if they were going to have enough offense to keep up. And now we're here sitting, okay, 31 points over 400 total yards. You know, they've historically been really good against Sean McGuire and, you know, for all intents and purposes, the Bison have been really dominant against the run this season. I think they're only giving up 90 yards a game. And, you know, outside of a 60-yard run against South Dakota State, you know, they really haven't given up too many big plays on the ground. And if you're Western Illinois in a rainy, sloppy, wet field and you're trying to establish the run early against a team that is this good against the run, you're going to have a really, really tough time. And on the other side of the ball, Swanee, we tend to forget that last week against Northern Iowa, Ty Brooks didn't play. Ty Brooks didn't make the trip. We're expecting Ty Brooks to play today. That adds another wrinkle into the offense that we've been talking about all season outside of the game that he hasn't played, that he has been that change of pace back that the Bison have needed. North Dakota State held you and I to 104 rushing yards last weekend. The Bison, And that's been, a lot for the Bison. That is. The Bison, though, have been very, very good against the run this year. Coming in to tonight's game, North Dakota State ranks 13th in rush defense. And, and you're saying, well, that's pretty good. Six overall in scoring defense. The Bison want to be in that top five in rush defense. Code Green takes pride in shutting down the run, putting another team in third and long situations. And, and one of the things, Nolan, well, let's talk about this a little bit, and then we'll go to break. We'll bring Chase on and we'll roundtable it. I've heard so much this year, more so than any other year, from North Dakota State players and coaches about needing to be better at communication, about communication breakdowns, about not being on the same page. And, and we've seen that manifest itself in a couple of the big plays, whether it was that opening touchdown the Panthers have, uh, Wallace's touchdown run, South Dakota State there in the third quarter. I don't remember hearing that, and, and I think North Dakota State gets it fixed, but it just jumps out. And, and the Bison defense has still been very, very good. They held South Dakota State to 17 points in the second half against UNI. Held him to seven points. But I, I'm curious to hear after the game tonight and then Monday at the press conference if the team feels that's getting any better because one of the areas the coaches and the players say they need to improve on is communication. And I think defensively, maybe you see that. I'm not trying to make excuses because there's no point in making excuses, and I know Chris Kleiman won't say uh, we're not making any excuses about that sort of thing. But, I mean, when you look at the defense from last year to this year, you move Jalen Wimbush away from the corner position, a corner pos- a position that he's played for the last three years, and you move him into a safety so you can put a new guy like Marquise Bridges who didn't play a whole lot leading up until the playoffs last year. And then you have Josh Hayes who, again, was in the same situation as Marquise Bridges. I mean, I think that secondary has been kind of shuffled to the point where they're trying to iron out some kinks in communication, whereas, you know, Jalen Wimbush, we know he's a natural safety. He, he was recruited to this school to play safety. But, I mean, he hasn't played it in three years, Swanee. How are we to expect him to just jump back to that position and, okay, he's, he's ready to go. He's there. That's why we see more James Hendricks in that position. I mean, I think we're used to seeing a lot of those names on that defense, but I think we're seeing – 
you know, Matt Entz shuffle that position group around so much that that's maybe where we're getting those miscommunications. At least that's how I understand it. Maybe trying to, to solidify that rotation and what the buys that are trying to do personnel wise. We're going to bring on Chase Miller here in a couple minutes, and we're going to talk about who should be number two in the FCS. Should it be those Jack her, 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 her rabbits down in South Dakota State? Did James Madison, the FCS coaches, were they drinking juice with Johnny T. Stigamar? How do you drop James Madison to eight? Those questions and so much more on Heard It Here with Swanee. Hey, this is Travis Dunn. Join me for Around the Rink every Saturday morning as we'll go over the latest in high school, college, and professional hockey. Valley Tire, Chris Heise, American Family Insurance Agent, Legacy Wealth Management, and TRS Industries for being friends of the program. Good friends. Check those folks out. They got a lot of great things going on. Guys, it's it's uh, the dog days of fall. The I love I love NFL films. The John Facenda, the the Sam Spence soundtrack. This oh, it's beautiful. I I downloaded that when I was a senior in high school or something. Man, when I when Swanee wakes up in the morning, steps in the shower, he throws on NFL films. That's how I get ready to tackle the day. But in all seriousness, there are so I don't even know where we start. There are so many big games in the FCS today, make or break games where these. A game in October, mid-October, it's it's a grinded-out game. You're midway through the season. Guys are dinged up. They're beat up. You're in the heart of conference play, and you need to find a way to win a football game. It doesn't matter how win ugly. Just get that win. And, you know, let's start FCS roundtable up, up north in Grand Forks, a big one. University of North Dakota has the Grizz coming to town. Yeah, they do, guys. And at the end of the day, you know, for Montana, Oh, oh, we're uh, having so it's the Halloween technical dip. We're we're fighting through two. That's we're a trick grinding or, that's it a trick or treat, Mike. We, right it's there. a trick or treat, I, uh, Mike. Yeah. Playing, uh, all right, playing tricks on Chase. I think we're better now. There all right, so Montana's four and two on the season. UND is three and two, and we all know what four losses means at the end of the day. So it's not a must-win game for either of these teams because their back quote is not totally to the wall, but it's getting closer, right? So when you look at this matchup, one team is going to be with three losses at at the end of this one. And I'm curious because UND plays uh, Sac State, Weber State in their next two weeks. This is their gauntlet of their schedule right now. And we were talking a little bit off air here. Montana, they have wins against Drake. That doesn't look that great. UNI, which maybe at the early part of the year looked really good, but UNI now is three losses in. And if they lose to South Dakota, they will pick up their fourth loss. So it's one of those where if you're UND – you got to find the way to run the ball like you did against Greeley. How do they come off the bye week? Is John Santiago healthy for the Grizz? If they pick up a win here, they get to 5-2. and two. They probably feel better about themselves, especially after that loss at home on homecoming to Portland State where a lot of people said that was maybe the first half against Portland State was the worst half of football they've seen from Grizz football in quite some time. So it'll be fun to see. But the Valley, too, Nolan and, and Swanee, there's some big implicating games here in the Valley that can maybe make or break your season, you know, midway through the season. Well, I mean, for me, you know, you talk about that UND game. For me, I think every game for UND is a must win just because of the fact that they don't really get that big sky win-loss record. That's the thing for me, Chase and Swanee, is that independent status. You know, Bubba Schweigert said it at the beginning of the season. He said every single game we have to treat it as it's a playoff game. And I think for me, if you lose consecutive games, even if they're to big sky teams, they're to whoever, I think that's a huge detriment, especially if you're looking to get it. They have to get an at-large playoff bid. 
You know, and I think since you don't have a conference affiliation, I think every game is a must win. And I think they have I think they have a slight advantage. I know that spreads two under to Montana, but I mean Portland State was statistically and win loss record the worst team in FCS last year. By by far and away, they were the worst team in FCS last year. And Chris Kleiman mentioned that at his press conference this week. You cannot overlook an opponent. You can't put a win in the hip pocket and think it's guaranteed. It's not. You got to show up every single week. A game I'm going to be paying close attention to. The Jackrabbits find themselves with the highest ranking in school history. They're number two in the Stat FCS poll. They've got a tough one against the Youngstown State team. That at two and three, at two and three, this game is. I don't know if it's a, it's pretty close. If if there's a must win this early in October, Bo Pelini, I would love to sit down and have a beer with Bo Pelini and just talk to him and ask him why he's always so mad. Youngstown State's at Brookings, and that's a must win for the Penguins. And I think people will look at last week's overtime win against Indiana State and say, "Well, what happened to?" you know, South Dakota State, and we talked about it, Swanee. Indiana State's a much improved program, even compared to last year where they didn't even win a single game. And they hung with Louisville, an FBS team, earlier in the season. So don't, you know, put a whole lot of stock in the fact that Indiana State came in to Brookings last week and actually put on a performance to where they scored 51 points. They took the Jacks to overtime. That's not something that was overly surprising to me. Maybe the one thing that was surprising was the 51 points that they put up against the Jackrabbit defense. But, I mean, I think, you know, more than anything, I think the Jacks get on pace in this one. And that for the Jacks, Chase, I think that's a natty ice, natty light hangover. You just lose to the Bison. True. Indiana State comes in there, hangs with you. What do you what do you see going down in that game at uh, Dykehouse Stadium tonight? Yeah, it's hard to see for the Jackrabbit fans out there because you had two games which you blew out Montana State, you know, Arkansas, Pine Bluff. You only played a quarter against Iowa State. Then you're really – uh, parameter was it went right down to the wire, and we could argue if Christian doesn't throw that interception, it's a different ball game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then you play Indiana State, and everybody did the whoa, <laughs> yeah. well, what what happened here? Overtime, and the Sycamores could have easily won in regulation. They could have easily won, or you know, forced a second overtime in that game. So for South Dakota State, can they show that they are the number two ranked team? Uh, I know James Madison had a loss to Elon, but it wasn't like they got beat by 15, 20 points to Elon. You know, it was a Elon's three. a good team, too. I mean, come on now. Yeah, you know, I three, mean, we're not giving them enough stock, I feel like. A three-point game. So it, it's that always positioning, right? You've been hearing about this the last couple of years. Is the CAA the number one team in the conference in in uh, FCS, or is it the Missouri Valley? Because what happens is if you're a 7-4 and four team in a really good league, you might make the playoffs over another team, maybe from the Big South that's 8-3 and three, that doesn't have as many quality wins, and that's where these games at this point in the season become big because Missouri State's an Indiana State. If Missouri State loses back-to-back games on a South Dakota and Indiana State, all of a sudden they have three losses, and this is where these conference games for any conference start becoming a little bit more implications. And you talk about that Elon game. A real interesting comparison this afternoon, 2.30. Elon at Delaware, the Bison host. Delaware, what will Elon do with them coming off a big game against James Madison? James Madison, for their part, has a tough one at Villanova. Villanova's 3-3. Three and three. It's an awfully big game for them. James Madison is at 4-2. They lose this one. They're at 4-3. and three. Maybe the biggest game in the FCS this weekend. Number 4, Eastern Washington, is at number 13, Weber State. But we're running out of daylight, baby. we got to get going with some bison predictions. And old Swanee was... I said 42 points. <laughs> They're actually close. <laughs> you guys are like, Swanee, you don't know what you're doing. You're crazy. And the Bison put up 56. I should have stuck with my 80-point 
prediction, but guys, real quick, what's going to happen tonight in uh, McComb, Illinois? I think that uh, Sean McGuire is going to struggle. Um, I love him as a quarterback outside of every game against NDSU, but I think he struggles. I think they, they can't get the run set up in the weather. I, I mean, I think a lot of chips are stacked against Western Illinois even being a home game tonight. Uh, so I believe I said 35-10 to 10 earlier in the week. I will stick with 35-10 to 10 Bison. Stale environment, that's the only question mark for NDSU. And then the last two games, they've kind of came out slow. If you come out slow in a stale environment, that might bite you in the butt a little bit more after two physical games with UNI and Western. If they come out fast and maybe get a quick three and out or at least flip the field offensively to where they can play on a short field the next time that they get going, that could be a big factor in this game. But if they come out slow the first seven minutes and let Western hang around in this one, we might be talking about a four-quarter football game. Mm-hmm. The Bison 5-0 and all-time in Macomb. They put that streak on the line, their 5-0 and record on the line. I'm going to take a 31-17, though, Bison victory. We got some weather rolling in, and there's going to be some thunder, and it ain't got nothing to do with the rain because the Bison are rolling into Macomb, and that defense has got a nasty taste in their mouth. And they're going to take it out in one person, namely Sean T. McGuire, the quarterback for the Leathernecks. It's going to be big boy football, the run and attack. The Rams getting after it, and they're going to run the ball, man. They are going to run the ball, and the thunder will roll across the plains of western Illinois as the Bison will come back to Fargo with a 35-7 win. Against the Leathernecks. This is Herded here with Swanee reminding you that the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd. Come on, come on, turn the radio on. 740 The Fan is owned and operated by 